You're listening to The Local Maximum, episode 249. Time to expand your perspective. Welcome to The Local Maximum. Now, here's your host, Max Sklar. Welcome, everyone. Welcome. You have reached another Local Maximum. Just working the soundboard here. Of course, I'm joined by Aaron today. How you doing, Aaron? I am doing well. Greetings, listeners. Yeah, and uh, okay, this is going to be actually a very intellectually stimulating show today. So are you excited to, uh, t- to get started? You're going to have to, you're going to have to wrap your head around some big ideas today, I, I think. So well, I, I have uh, not done my homework, so we'll see how, uh, no, how I perform. No. Well, as I was uh, telling you before, you know, the, the, the point of the local maximum is not for us to do the research necessary to like write a whole, uh, you know, grad school thesis and present it on the local maximum. But, you know, uh, the, the, the sleeping beauty problem, for example, that, that we're going to talk about today, it's, you know, let's, let's have our initial discussion on it. Let's, let, let, let's go a little deep. Let, let's see what we're thinking. A- about. As an let's aside though, some, uh, yeah. if, if any of you listeners out there, uh, have just written a graduate thesis on something interesting, uh, let us know. Cause, oh, sure. uh, that, that might make for an interesting episode. Sure. Sure. Okay. Before we get started in the sleeping beauty problem, I want to announce that, uh, so I have never done a debate before in my life. Um, I, I said that when I was uh, I had Gene Epstein on the podcast, and he runs the Soho Forum debates, and uh, and I told him I've never done it. Well, I finally got roped into doing it. Uh, so, not, not by Gene. No, not by Gene. Uh, it, it's 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 a it's a minor debate series. It's like a minor leagues kind of a, a wreck sort you're, of. You're a, on you're on the New New Hampshire farm team. <laughs> I guess so. Uh, so if, you, if you make it big, you'll get called up to Soho. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so anyway, the uh, the the debate is um, debating against the resolution: monarchy is better than democracy, and I am, or monarchy is better than representative democracy. And I feel like there's a lot of people I talk to who have never heard this before, and they're like, "Oh, you're going to have an easy time." It, 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 it's so, but you know, I, they're going to come with some pretty serious arguments, and I have to be prepared. Uh, and it's uh, it's a little harrowing. Yeah, I mean, I, I I can't claim to have read uh, many of uh, of Curtis Yarvin's writings, but uh, there there is a, a large volume uh, of of uh, of material written on the subject in favor of the the uh, monarchist viewpoint. So it's it's not like they're going to be grasping at straws, and all they have is you know King literature from the the uh, the age of kings. <laughs> bend the knee. I feel like he's going to wear his <laughs> crown, and he's going to be like bend the knee. <laughs> do not i i think one of my things should be like well if you if you agree with me then then vote at the end if you don't um well you shouldn't vote because you're not you don't <laughs> believe in democracy anymore so uh, that that could be a strategy uh, but anyway this will be on when so for those of you who are in new hampshire i know it's probably not a lot of you but this will be in rollinsford new hampshire at the at the shell uh on wednesday october 26th uh, six thirty to nine. So if you if you want to show up for that, and no uh, no tickets required. Uh, I yeah no I don't think so. I don't think any tickets are required. Yeah, you could just show up if you can get your butt up to Rollinsford, New Hampshire. Uh, you can see uh, how I do for better or for worse. Now, <laughs> so. it, it has has a uh, official drinking game been announced? Like is is there a a, a, a secret word that whenever one of the, the uh, debaters utters it, we have to take a drink? Um. I don't know what would my word be. I de- no, there are definitely words that I, I mean, say. A d- lot. Democracy would be 
uh, too, too too frequent. Easy. Yeah, too it easy. needs to be a little, a little bit more obscure uh, than that. Given how I know, I, I think it's going to be time preference. I, <laughs> I think that's what it's going to be. You, uh, you know your audience. Yeah. No. Well, I know. I know how the debate goes sometimes. And no, people have definitely. Even if you think you're you're for democracy, people have definitely um, over the last few weeks have presented me with things like, "Oh, I, I think I can answer that," but I, I don't. Not really off the cuff. So I, I feel like it, it is really, a deceptively simple seeming question yeah well those are those are good questions i, I think it's gonna so, so I'm, I, at first i was dreading it now now i'm excited about it i i, I don't oh, want by the way to be with uh, alu axelman who was who was on the local match oh yeah very cool i mean he was a little i i dis, well one of the things i disagreed with him was he called the um governor of new hampshire a dictator so now i'm like well well <laughs> don't you think that's good now <laughs> gonna make him eat his words <laughs> No, no, no. I well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe. So, so you you mentioned bending the knee, and yeah. and uh, uh, a little peek behind the the scenes here. Okay. After we record this episode, we will be watching the season finale of of House of the Dragon. Yes. Uh, so there are obviously many advocates uh, for the monarchy in in that that show in that world, but I I'm I'm failing to come up with anyone who was an advocate for for democracy, right? Or, re- well, or in, even representative democracy. No, in in. in in Game of Thrones, in the last episode, which I admit wasn't very good, uh, but uh, Sam uh, uh, suggested a, a representative oh, that's democracy. that's right. And, and then the everybody end. paused and then broke into laughter. Right. But it's also, um, also kind of hinted out that the Night's Watch was something of a democracy, because there there, they did have elections there. Uh, so... Um, and and, yeah. and when when in doubt, you can always just uh, murder your elected representative and start over. Right. <laughs> I mean, that, that I was feel perhaps like I not a, a uh, recurring uh, or a frequent occurrence uh, <laughs> on the Night's Watch. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, if any of you are, are th- th- there's only like three days between when we uh, release this and the debate. But if anyone has any ideas for me, uh, please let me know. Localmaxradio at gmail.com. I'll be reading that at the last minute. But today, I want to get into the main event for today uh, as soon as possible. And that is the, as soon as possible, six minutes into the show. Uh, and that is the Sleeping Beauty problem. Now, this was a, a problem in that's presented as a probability problem that was, uh, um, that was put to me by A.J. Jacobs, The Puzzler, episode 246. And that was actually, I had never heard it before. And I was surprised that I'd never heard it uh, before. Um, uh, but... Um, but it, it really is a head scratcher um, because it's not it's it's really a philosophical what is life problem that looks like a probability problem. And we'll get to that in a minute bit. So I'm going to state the problem and maybe we could go a little bit deeper into why it's controversial and maybe give some of our thoughts on it and go a little deeper than I could in, in that episode. So here's the problem. Here's the rules. OK, Sleeping Beauty is in this experiment uh, and uh, I don't know why they chose Sleeping Beauty. I don't know why they didn't choose one of the dwarves or uh, or Cinderella or whatever. Maybe because she she sleeps. Um, so she's in the experiment. She knows the rules at the beginning. So I'm thinking of that scene from Airplane when he's like, they bought their tickets. They knew what they were getting into. It's kind of <laughs> like that. And uh, what the rules are, there's a coin flip. Okay. And then she's put to sleep. And if the coin had landed on heads, she's woken up Monday and put back to sleep. And then if the coin lands on tails, she's woken up Monday and put back to sleep. So she's woken up Monday either way. And then again, she's woken up Tuesday, put back to sleep. And then Wednesday, she's finally woken up 
for good, and the experiment ends. Now, so before we go yes. on, I, I don't think it matters, yeah. but uh, it sounded like the coin flip happened before she was put to sleep the first yeah. time. No, yes, and it, it might matter. So yes, uh, it, it it might matter. Uh, uh, th- that's the key. I don't think it matters, but then when you, <laughs> <laughs> that's not obvious to everyone. And, and uh, by, uh, by the way, it's, uh, if I'm explaining yeah. this too fast, let me know. My my my. Uh, initial yeah, read so, had assumed that, that that she goes to sleep and then they flip the coin, but but like I said, I'm not sure yeah. that it makes a difference. It but. might not. It might not. Uh, so uh, so right. Okay. So here's the thing. Every time she wakes up and is put back to sleep, her memory is wiped when she puts back to sleep. So if it comes up on tails, and so when she wakes up on Wednesday, all she's going to remember is being put to sleep Sunday night. Uh, she's not going to remember any of the awakenings. And if it's tails when she wakes up on Tuesday, she's not going to remember Monday. Okay. And, uh, if, if you want to know where this is going philosophically, there's something of a, a reincarnation theme, I, I believe, is, is, is what's popping up here. So the question is, Sleeping Beauty knows the experiment. When she is woken up, um, what is her correct credence or probability of heads versus tails on which which game she is in. So, so she doesn't have to... We're not asking her to determine what day is it. Yeah. Because if when but she that, wakes up, it could be Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday. Well, no, no, no. Wednesday, she's told, so she doesn't have okay. any... She, there's no uh, period where it's... Yeah. So it's, it's, it's really only Monday or Tuesday. Um, and, and that is also a, an, op, uh, an open question. Um, that's... But the, way but, the, but the initial is question framed, is simply what what do you think the coin right. flip result was? Right. But but I think the the probability of Monday versus Tuesday is very relevant to the problem. Sure. So okay. So in in that question, um, I you know that was first put to me kind of live on the spot. I had been reading the uh, book, the the puzzler, a little bit by A.J. Jacobs, and so I had kind of uh, prepared a little bit beforehand to discuss the problem, but I didn't have a lot of time to think too deeply about it. So I was kind of in the majority when they first start thinking about it, which is the thirder position, which is like, okay, when she is woken up, uh, she should say, well, uh, I am, there are two possible worlds. And in world one, I get woken up once. And in world two, I get woken up twice. So there's three possible times that I get woken up. So a third of those times I'm, I'm woken up uh, and it's the the heads, and you're drawing like a little tree diagram. Yep. You might want to hold that up to the camera, although I don't think people I, I, can see. I think it's a little too small, but, but yeah, right, I'm, I'm drawing a branching tree, and yeah. and so so the decision is the coin flip, right? And then from that one branch has a single point, which is the only wake them up on Monday, right? And the other branch has Monday followed by Tuesday, right? So there are three t- three possible times to get woken up. Uh, are they all equally likely? Well. Uh, I guess we could say they are equally likely because she has no information other than she's being woken up. So um, she should say one-third. And maybe there's uh, or one-third chance of heads, two-thirds chance of, of tails. Um, and likewise, it would also be a, a, a two-thirds chance of, of Monday and a, a, a one-third chance of Tuesday. So to put it all together, one-third chance heads Monday, one-third chance Tails Monday, one third chance. Uh, Tails Tuesday, um, and that's that's kind of the third position. Um, and and so you can immediately see how this this might relate back to Monty Hall because 
Uh, there's there's some possibly counterintuitive stuff going on here. We're not yeah. sure, but but there are three possible outcomes, and you're trying to determine which which is the. Uh, yeah. I, I guess unlike we're not trying to determine which which the prize is behind, but you know which which set are we are we currently in? I think the difference it looks like the Monty Hall problem, but the difference between this problem and Monty Hall is that Monty Hall has a very well specified payoff at the end. Well, n- not only that is that uh, in Monty Hall, uh, the the all knowing experimenter uh, or or is is providing you with additional true information right at at some interval here and and we're not getting the all the information we have is that the coin was flipped and we are now awake right right um and but i i want to come back to what i was saying about having like a, a true payoff um because there, there was another version of this problem and i'm not going to get into it in too much detail that one of these papers come out where there's like okay you're woken up and there's two jars of jelly beans and the jars of jelly beans are A and B, but they have different um, different proportions of poison depending on whether it was heads or tails. And you got to, every time you wake up, you have to take a bean out and then at the end, you eat all the beans and you might die. Now, if that, if the problem is formulated in that way, then I could do all my mathematics, I could do all my probability theory, I could do all my algebra, and I could minimize my problem of di- uh, uh, my probability of dying. And I think that would be that would not uh, pose any problem to me. The problem is there is no kind of uh, payoff here, and so I think the the main question is other than the satisfaction of being right. Other than the satisfaction of being right, of course, you're. you're of being right when you're predicting one half, one third is not really so much. I mean, the question is, uh, do you get like, if you're wrong, it, if the coin lands on t- tails and you're wrong twice, now wrong is kind of a, you know, you're already predicting two thirds or, or, or one half. So, but let's say you're guessing, right? And if you're wrong twice, is that considered worse than being wrong once? You know what I mean? So in other words, is it graded on a curve where like you're graded on your possible Monday responses and graded on your possible Tuesday responses? Or are they graded per awakening? Because if they're graded per awakening, then I think you have to take the third or position where, you know, in Tuesday you're awakened twice. And, um, you know, what would happen is, let's say I I give two thirds uh, for Tuesday and I am I am correct twice, right? So my uh, probability and the probability that I put on Tuesday both times would have been four, four ninths. Mm. And then on Monday, it would have been one, uh, two thirds. I don't know. Huh. That's really interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if, I'm, if I say Monday, no, it would be, it would be a third. I, I think that's the way to minimize um, log likelihood loss. Uh, I think that's the way to like, uh, minimize your expected um, your, your expected loss. Whereas you know the the way to score something in, in log likelihood loss is I give a probability, and then you take the minus log of that probability, and that's your like loss score. And it's bad to get lost. It's like golf rules. So if I gave a probability of something of one, that's certainty, then I get zero loss because right. it happened. But if I have a very small number on it, then I get a very high loss. So that's one way to score. Um, that's one way to score, uh, a game where you're giving probabilities. It's and a and I, I believe Metaculus uses a system at least similar to that, if not exactly that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, but the, the problem is that, um, you know, are you like, I'm just multiplying 
Tuesday's scores together. Like I'm, I'm giving two probabilities, but maybe, maybe not. Maybe I, I kind of average them together somehow. And so then the halfer position would be right if that's how it's scored. If it's like, well, what's your average loss? And so if you're talking about average loss on Monday versus average loss on Tuesday, then I think you're going to have to say one half. Um, I, so. I, I certainly find the, the halfer position appealing, but I, I think that that may be at least in part uh, due to just the fact that that's the way I drew it out first. So let me. Um, <laughs> and so I'm, I'm anchoring give, on my first intuition. Right. There. So so my thir- first intuition was thirder, but let me give more detail on the halfer position that I didn't give before. So, uh, uh, what, so this is from a. So, so I, I'm going to post a few articles on localmaxradio.com slash uh, slash two forty nine. And these are on the, the, the and, and some of these are half her position papers, uh, David Lewis and Phil Sy Archive. What is this one? The halfers are right in the end. Who wrote this? Um, anyway, it's... Uh, now, now, is this as... Uh, uh, by uh, Min Siang Kim, I think. Okay, so... Is this as controversial among uh, mathematicians as the Monty Hall problem was at, at the time that it was, uh, it first yeah. went, went broadly public? Except there's, there's less of a... Uh, resolution to this one. So the half her position. Uh, you mean no, nobody's running this experimentally? No, <laughs> I don't think it can. I, I, I think there there could be a funding opportunity there. Yes, but even if you did run run it experimentally, and even if the uh, uh, like even if the person did give answers, how would you know? There's no experiment you could set up where you'd know. Okay, well they did the right thing or, or not. You, you really can't. Again, it's how they score them. You know, like I was saying before. So if if I'm told how Sleeping Beauty is going to be scored at the end, whether it's poison you might die or just a numerical score, which I think if it's a Sleeping Beauty I would prefer, then or um, or, or a cash reward, a cash or, reward. Then it, no matter what the scoring system is, I could tell you how to either maximize your rewards or somehow uh, maximize your expected utility or, or whatever it is you want to maximize. I could do the math and do that, but without. Without that, uh, there's really no way of, of so, doing so, that. So you were going to introduce some uh, a piece of information here, but w- once yes, we've done yes. that, r- remind me to to introduce my concept for uh, okay. for risk reward. Okay, so so the halfer position is Sleeping Beauty before she's put to sleep on Sunday thinks it's one half heads and one half tails, which she, seems reasonable. She see yes, she receives no new information that she had at the beginning. The only new information is that she is being woken up at least once, but. That is which, true. Which again is is the key difference between this and the well, one of the two key differences between this and Monty Hall that that no new information is being provided. Right, right. So uh, there's an open question as to whether that is new information. She's she is being awakened. Well, she knew going into it that there was a 100 percent chance of her being awakened. And and um, if she wasn't, she wouldn't be able to process that as yeah. new information. Well, yeah, okay, but we're not. Let's that's, not that's, break that's out outside, the assumption outside the bounds. Yeah. of the, the, uh, the right. Parameters so, uh, so, so she knows that she. So the thirders will say, but the information is that she is now in the game. Uh, but you know, you have the halfers will say you had guaranteed an awakening at the start of the experiment. So then, there's really no new information, is there? So it should still be a half. And then, obviously, for both the thirders and the halfers, when she wakes up on Wednesday, uh, and it's the final. Awakening, they, they say it's Wednesday, then then she reverts to a half or stays at a half. So the halfers kind of sound like, ooh, uh, there's a little bit more um, 
you know, there's a little bit more information. Uh, 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 now, now they're starting to sound like, okay, um, okay, maybe, maybe they're a little bit more uh, uh, reasonable. So uh, there's a bunch of half positions here. It's certainly not, um, it's, it's certainly not uh, uh, set in stone yet or, or resolved, but I, I, I do want to say more things. You say your thing. Yeah, so, so in terms of, of kind of the risk reward equation, one of the things, and, and I wasn't thinking of it in that term, but, but when it was initially explained to me, I don't think I realized that you only flip the coin once at the beginning. I thought it was a scenario where uh, they get wake, they get woken up and asked, okay, what, what do you think the coin flip was? And then either depending on, on whether they got the answer right or not, or depending on what the initial coin flip was, no. they flip the coin again. And so you could, rather than the options being you get woken up on Monday or Monday and Tuesday, that you could, can, you could get put to sleep for a longer and longer and indeterminate time. So there, there wouldn't the necessarily problem. be a guarantee that okay. you exit on Wednesday, that, that you could be in a, a scenario where, uh, and, and, and if you want to make it a risk reward thing, that, that wrong answers result in you being put to sleep again. I see. So, so in other words, like if it's heads, then you get woken up permanently the next time. And then if it's, it's tails, then you continue and you have to say like, which number awakening is this? Or, or, or maybe that, that, uh, the, the first flip determines whether you're going to get one, uh, whether you're going to get, uh, whether this will, hmm. I guess it's, it's a combination of the, of the, 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 that, that, that there are you know two ways to exit the experiment is is the coin flip can give you an exit or if you call the flip correctly can give you an exit oh. I, I'd have to think huh. more on this but so I, also notice she's not calling it she's just giving probabilities right so, uh, so yeah it's um, it's I'm not entirely sure where you're going with that, <laughs> Do you mean I, like- I, I just thought it was a much, much darker experiment oh, in, the, I see. in that, uh, you, you could end up kind of stuck in an infinite loop where you keep getting put to sleep and woken back up again. And, and, uh, but either by, by virtue of, of an extremely low probability event of, you know, uh, you know, a, a dozen heads in a row or something that, that you could be put back to sleep and woken up iterative times rather than just the, the one or two, uh, in, in the base case of the experiment. Okay. So I'm, I'm just going to get through a couple more things. Um, I mean, my question is, is probability fundamentally broken then? I don't think it is, but I think we have to ask, well, what was probability designed for in the first place? Like there's frequentist probability, which is you're repeating an experiment many times, which clearly doesn't, um, apply here. And then there is because, (laughs) because, one of the very important things that you need to have for a frequentist view of probability is you need to have memory. Uh, if you don't have memory, <laughs> then repeating an experiment multiple times and tallying the result is, is no good. Um, or, or it's a non-starter. And then there's belief. And, and belief is a really interesting thing. We've talked about probability as belief for a long time. You kind of think, well, if I put my probability one-third here and two-thirds here, I sort of think like, okay maybe, maybe God does play dice and maybe like, you know, uh, maybe uh, there's a third chance I'll be in this world and a two third chance I'll be in this world. But ultimately those beliefs are formed, uh, in order to deal with uncertainty about the future. And in this case, there's no, um, there's no like future decision. So there's no, we, we kind of lose our frame of reference when it comes to subjective. Well, right, to, to, to what you said about, about memory. Um, you can't really apply a Bayesian approach to this because, uh, you you don't get to take your posteriors and make them the priors to a a new uh, a new assessment. Well, so a thirder would say yes. Once you know that you're in the game, 
then that is information that you're in the game. And from that point of view, because there are three points, because the point of view of being in the game is that there are three points in the game that I could be at, and there's a one-third chance of each one. So once I get the information that I'm in the game, I'm one-third. But once I get the information that I'm outside the game, I'm one-half, which is really interesting. So maybe probability could have a, uh, a, a, a relativistic um, aspect. You know, I talk about probability as like, okay, relative probability is like probability A is twice as likely as B. But maybe we could put different probabilities on the same event because we are somehow in um, uh, a, uh, a different quantum state. So, <laughs> so is this Schrodinger's sleeping beauty? It could be. It could be. Um, so anyway, a, a few more points I want to bring up on this and, and yeah, I, unless you have more, more to say about that, but that is, that is an interesting point. Uh, Nick Bostrom adds this, which is obviously a good thing to think about. If you think you're right, you definitely have to, whatever you are, if you think you're right, you definitely have to take this into account. What if Sleeping Beauty is woken up a million times in tails instead of two? Uh, should she still say one half? And obviously the thirders would then change to, um, you know. Uh, a million over a million one, uh, well, for, uh, and one out of a million and one. Uh, so again, if we say one half, then we're wrong a lot more times, <laughs> you know, than, um, or, or we have a greater loss. Uh, but if still the same argument holds, like if the loss of all of them are added together, then uh, are, are averaged together, then it's then, then then you're still at one half, one half. So that's an interesting question. I kind of added another formulation, which might not be I might not be the first one to come up with, but but I have one before. Um, but uh, yeah, what, what what do you think about that? If if you just increase, because on Monty Hall problem, it becomes way more obvious when you increase it to a million doors. Okay, so here's 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 a twist that yeah. that maybe fits my my previous idea a little bit better into that that slot okay. is that rather than just flipping a coin, we do two things uh, before we run the experiment, or or once we put Sleeping Beauty to sleep the first time, we flip the coin, and we run a random number generator. Okay. And if, if you keep changing if, the problem, if the coin comes up heads, okay, then then Sleeping Beauty gets woken once and then right. then exits the experiment. Okay, uh, if it comes up tails, Sleeping Beauty gets woken up the number of times that came up on the random number generator. Okay, then what do we do? Well, then then maybe you could use the problem. Well, first of all, if you're a halfer, it doesn't matter. Right, it's still one half. Uh, if you are a thirder, then you would have to average the. Um, Distribution of the random number generator, I would say. Uh, you know, if, if we were ready to transition to the distribution of the week, that would have been a yeah. perfect segue. Uh, but I don't think we're ready yeah. for that quite yet. Well, this is, a crazy st- um, this is a crazy story, and the distribution of the week is also a crazy story. So <laughs> buckle up, folks. Um, so uh, another ra- a related thought. What if you learn that it is Monday in this experiment? Right, because you know you're going to be woken up Monday no matter what. But it does seem like... If you wake up and you're a thirder and you're being told, oh, this is Monday, it seems like so, so you, your probability should revert to a half. Yes, because so, so if, if yeah, if we're talking about w- whether it was heads or tails, then right. then the, we, we know it's Monday and we know that there are two set there are two scenarios in which yeah. we arrive at Monday. So that that seems compelling. I, right. I, I, I'm, I'm worrying that there's a trap there that I'm missing, though. Well, the trap is then you have to be like, OK, well, w- let's say I'm not told what's the probability that it's Monday versus the probability that it's Tuesday. And if you know, if if you're a halfer, then you would almost have to say, um, 
well, there's, I'm being woken up, but there's a greater chance that it's Monday than Tuesday. And whereas if you're a thirder, uh, no, if you're a thirder, you're going to say that there's a two thirds chance it's Monday and a one third chance that it's Tuesday. If you are a halfer, then you are going to have to say, well, um, there's a 50% chance it's on tails. Uh, given that it's tails, there's a 50% chance that it's Monday. But given that it's heads, there's a 100% chance that it's Monday. Therefore, if I'm woken up, I would have to say it's 75% chance. No, am, am I right on that? Did I, did I screw that up? Go, I, 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 need, I need the white... Wait, so... so. You, you're the one with the piece of paper here. Okay, well, no, 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 no. Let, let me do this again. Let me go step by step. Okay. 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 So if you are a... I think the, the, the thirder position is easier with this analysis because you basically put a third of the weight on each, all of the three awakenings. Right. And two of those awakenings are Monday. So Correct. you would say two-thirds chance that, I, that it is Monday, right? Okay. Yes. So let's say you're a halfer. Okay, you wake up and you say, well, there's a one half chance that it was landing on heads. Given that it landed on heads, there's a 100% chance that it's Monday. Right. So, so, that's so 50% net 50% for, for, for Monday. heads Monday. Right. For Tuesday, there's a 50% chance that it's Tuesday. And given that, or, or sorry, 50% chance that it's tails. Given that it's tails, Monday, Tuesday, 50-50. We don't know. So there's another net 25%. To right. Monday. So so 50% uh, heads Monday, 25% tails Monday. Right. So we renormalize that and it becomes two-thirds uh, heads Monday, one-third no. tails Monday, right? No, 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 no. It, well, well, because if we know it's, it's, no, it's no, no. one of those two. Sorry. It, no. Sorry. No, no, no. <laughs> that, that, that's not good. If you're a halfer, you put 75% chance on um on, on Monday and 25% chance on, on Tuesday. The 25% for Tuesday is, uh, is, is the half that it's tails. And of the tails, half of that is Tuesday. Yes. Well, I, I thought the question was, we've been told it's Monday. And no, no, we're no, a half no. Or, you have not been told. Oh, oh okay. I, I, I I'm see. just saying, I'm taking a step back. I'm saying you haven't been told yet. Um, but now you're like, okay, well, given that we're told, we can figure things out. So now take a step back and what's my prior that it's Monday versus Tuesday. And the half or versus third or gives very different, um, very different credence. Right, on this. right. Yeah. So, so, so. A, a halfer uh, will, will believe at any given uh, time that they're woken up that it's, it's a 75% chance it's a Monday. Right. 25% chance it's a Tuesday. Yeah. Right. That, that, right. that drops out of my diagram. That makes sense to me. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> I'm glad we, I'm glad we cleared that up. So. Does that make sense if you are a uh, if you are a if you are a halfer? I mean, then then if you're a halfer in the million door scenario, uh, you you you're going to place a, a very large, close to fifty percent chance uh, on uh, on on Monday, I suppose, on the, on day one, I suppose. Yeah, well, but but that's so. that's entirely driven by the the one half of the coin flip, or not almost almost entirely driven by that. Right. Right. All right. So here's my formulation that makes the, the problem a little more interesting that I think, um, that I think goes to the heart of, of why it's interesting. So I'm going to change the problem a little bit. Uh, I write it this way. God, or appropriately powerful being, flips a coin to determine which type of world to create. 
a world of population 100, that's world A, or a world of population 10 billion, that's world B. Uh, Okay, so he flips the coin, created the world that the coin said, then uh, you are born. Lucky you. What is the probability that you are in world A versus world B. With with no other information beyond yeah. these are the two possibilities, and right. you know the fact that you have been born. Right. So a halfer would say one half. Uh, but I think a thirder might say, well, we're much more likely to be on world B because world B has a much greater population. So right. there's, there's, if I'm picking an average consciousness, I would be on world B. Now I'm going to change this a little bit. Well, uh, is, is, is there a nuance there in... in the question of does the coin get rolled or the coin get rolled? Does the coin get flipped uh, to determine the creation of the worlds or does the coin get flipped every time somebody is born? No, 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 no. Only the beginning to, to, to okay, so, decide so, so, what world. So that, that drives me much stronger towards the, the halfer hmm. uh, point of view. Right, right. Now, I think one of the problems here is there's no information given as to the probability of which consciousness you're going to inhabit. Uh, so <laughs> that's um, that 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 is that is kind of a a, a puzzle there. Um, and so it's, I think this is related to the the problem of the prior. Okay, now we have another one. Suppose God creates both worlds A, world B decides. You know what? Who am I to play dice? <laughs> I don't play dice. Maybe God. Uh, maybe maybe to use the third person, God does not play dice. You know, I, I picture that. So we've got uh, World A and World B both created, and it's, it's the Oprah approach. You yeah. get a world, and you get a world. You get a world. You get a world. world. So yeah. one world has a hundred people, another one has ten billion. You are born. What's your probability on the hundred world, and what's your probability on the on the on the ten billion world? Now so I, might- I want to be intellectually consistent and say, well, why would that change me from being a halfer? But uh, I, that that feels wrong. Right, right. It feels like you should inhabit a random consciousness, in which case you're far more likely to be on the 10 billion world. But then then we have a question, because this this did happen. We We have been born. And so does that mean we are way more likely to be on a high population world or, or, or the only world, uh, if there, if there is no extra life in the universe, why are we not, um, what, what is a species that is way more common than the human being? Ants. Ants. Why are we not ants? Like, you know what I mean? Like, are, are, did we just win some astronomically impossible lottery and become humans? Well, th- and- this, this harkens to, uh, and I don't know if it was actually something that Sagan said in, in, in cosmos, but, but something very, very cosmos E, uh, sounding that, you know, given, given the probability of, of every physical you know process in the universe and the odds that, that your, your great, 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 great grandparents were born and, and, you know, had their children and their children, their children, their children, and eventually that you were born is so in, infinitesimally small. Uh, but the counter argument to that would be that, yeah, but I was born. So the odds of that happening are a hundred percent. They are a hundred percent. Um, but the question, but then there's the question of given that I, I was born, was there, you know, is it like, it seems like, okay, this world should be a more common world and other worlds should be less common. You know what I mean? Like we should be in a very common situation probabilistically. Um, we should not be in a very uncommon situation. So that's one way cosmologists kind of look at the universe where it's like, um, well, I'm kind of a random observer 
of the universe. So given that I'm an observer, given that I have the opportunity to observe, uh, I'm kind of a, I should be a common case. Uh, you know, that, that's, you know, one of the reasons why they say the world could end, um, you know, in, in, in soon because, uh, <laughs> we, we are, um, you know, somehow, like, if you count the number, if you're like human being number X, then you could estimate by like Lindy's law or something, the world ends around two X. Uh, so and but, and the the second half is going to pass a lot faster than the first half, because yeah, maybe not logarithmic or exponential, but, yeah. but we're, we're not growing linearly. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't quite buy that. Uh, but I do think there is a there is kind of an open question about w- what constitutes a consciousness. Like, if someone has multiple personalities, then are you uh, do they get extra probability for each one for each pro- personality? If you're a swarm of bees, do they each get one chance? Mm. So there's kind of a problem with um, you know there's kind of a problem with this like random observer type question, which I think is very deep. And I think we're going to get some really interesting responses because I have not thought about this philosophically enough to go deeper into it, but localmaxradio.gmail.com or locals, sorry, maximum.locals.com to, uh, to chime in. Um, any, any other thoughts on this? Because that's, I, I feel like I could be pushed on this and pushed into a corner for what I just said. So not not on this specifically, but but the uh, the talk of of uh, God or or a appropriately powerful being, um, and and uh, do, doing a coin flip, uh, it, it made me think of another um, uh, kind of decision theory uh, uh, scenario. I think it's called Newcomb's uh, Newcomb's uh, problem, uh, involving uh, two two different boxes and a, a all knowing being uh, named named Omega. Uh, which we we don't have time to get into today, but might be worth uh, discussing in a future episode. Yeah. All right. All right. So we have a we have a, a reader submitted question, which is kind of interesting. Uh, I think we can get through this very fast, and then uh, probability distribution of the week. So we're we ready to start the reader question. Yeah. Lay it All on right. me. All right. This is a, a reader submitted question uh, about uh, Major League Baseball. Max, love the show. Thank you for all the years of hard work. Yes. I think I found a pattern between Major League Baseball playoffs and the Monty Hall problem. I wanted to know what you thought about it. Uh, MLB wants to have more teams in the playoff, but the higher seeded teams to win more often. To make this happen, they uh, have a first round that the lower seeded teams play in and the top teams get a bye and don't play. Based on the following premises, the playoff system results in the lower seed winning more often. So I, I... uh, without reading the rest of it, I think we can give kind of a, a summary of of what's happening because I honestly I have not been following baseball for ages and I, I didn't know about this. So it used to be that each division had four teams in the playoffs, but the fourth team was known as the wild card, and so uh, two teams would kind of face off for that wild card. Now I believe they have uh, uh, essentially two wild cards. So in other words. You're doing like March Madness style in the second round where it's one plays four and two plays three. Okay. But uh, essentially the three is gotten because there's a, a, a pre-round where three plays six and the um, four is gotten on a pre-round where four plays five. So essentially uh, the, the top two teams will get a bye uh, in the first round. And I think... Um, what this which, argue- which they sort of did in in the previous version, but but that was really just the week that that the fourth and fifth 
ranked teams played for that wild card right, slot. Right, right. That wild card was kind of like a buy for everyone else, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, so I think the argument here is that, uh, well, first of all, baseball is one of those games where the um, the differences in the teams are not as large as in other sports. So you'll have, uh, you know, winning teams. I don't even know what the, the average numbers are. I, I don't know my baseball stats, but it might be like 55-45 wins to losses versus like, you know, in other sports, there might be like 70-30 or something or even... In, in football. So, so the, the uh, among the top tier, the variance is much smaller. Right, right. Uh, so um, I, I think what he's arguing is, is, is that, look, there are, there's going to be a certain team that's uh, going to be the winner. Um, but now that uh, you've gotten to buy the first round, let's say you're a high seeded team. Now you're playing the winner of two lower seeded teams. So you're less likely to be the best team among those three than you are to be the, the 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 best team among you and a random choice of one of those two. So I think he's saying that the highest seeded teams uh, will be more likely to lose. Uh, but I don't think it is um, true that it's going to be like um, one of the assumptions that, that he's giving here is that, well, if they're all 33% chance of being the best team, then now you've gone from a 50% chance of winning down to a 33% chance winning, essentially. But I think if you're seated higher, there must be some some value that, that, that you know, it must be some larger Right, so, so there's there's a, a, a assumption or, or an assertion being made that, that among the the three teams in any branch of, of, the, uh, of the playoff uh, bracket... Uh, they they are equally likely to to win uh, either either in a matchup or in the overall uh, branch of the bracket, which which you're you're taking issue with that that yes they may all be closely uh, ranked uh, in in terms of of statistical performance and capability, but not sufficiently close to to give it an even right one third one third one third breakdown. So so he has observed that lower seeded teams are winning a lot this year, and so. That could be part of it. I mean, I don't, I don't know how you'd test it. You might need more data in order to do it. And I certainly don't have the. Uh, <laughs> I'm certainly yeah, not going to do the data it, analysis. It's it's tough to uh, to to get those probabilities. Abstract out what what is you know chance uh, this this iteration uh, versus right. what what the underlying statistical likelihoods would be. Um, because yeah. I mean, you you could run those scenarios multiple times, but I think a large part of that is is resting on some of your fundamental assumptions, like whether are are you assigning a one third, one third, one third probability of victory to each of these teams before yeah. you go and run that through however many games are in in a series for each uh, round of of the tournament. I wonder if you can somehow uh, use past data. Not that I'm going to do it, but if you could somehow use past data to sort of like you know look at how you're seated. And then use that to come up with a probability of of your likelihood of winning. Uh, the uh, uh, you kind of assume that the seed is some probabilistic um, value on the score that you'll ultimately get, and then everyone's kind of ranked by score in terms of whether they win or not. It's really a vast oversimplification. Well, so I think it's an interesting model, though. I, I think um, did, I think there's something to it. I, I think it's very difficult to. Did you uh, already talk prove. about the the potential link to Monty Hall? Uh, that was in the email. But, yeah, um, I think the. The relationship to the Monty Hall problem, uh, I think that the idea is that the Monty Hall problem, you closed one of the doors, and then 
um, the probability of that door gets transferred into the other door that you didn't pick. And so that's, that's the idea. You, you picked, they picked the one seed in, in that round, this, the, the one with the buy. That's the one they think is the winner. And then there are two uh, uh, teams playing. And then essentially the, the team that win is closing the door and the other team as to who the best team is. And I think, I think um, what, what he's saying here is that if the probabilities are close to a third, but even if they're not a third, you've just decreased the chance of the one seed from winning. Yeah. That if, if you, if you deviate from this, even, uh, you know, one third, one third, one third distribution of, of likelihood to win within, uh, that branch of, of the playoffs, uh, if you, if you reallocate it, uh, you know, so that it's, you know, 50% to the one seed and 25, 25 to the, uh, to the, the, uh, the, the wild card contenders, it it still means that they're they're coming out of that now as as a fifty fifty, um, which which is much stronger than than one of the teams went into it. Another way of thinking about it, you're essentially just adding the probability. They're just adding a six team, team six. Yep. You're essentially adding the probability that that team six is really good and mm. it's going to beat everyone, which honestly might not be that high. Um, although in baseball it might be. Well, and 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 our listener has said that that the. In- the objective of of the of Major League Baseball here was to build a system where uh, the top seeded teams win more often. Um, which I, I'm I'm curious uh, whether that is is more or less uh, uh, attractive from a from a viewer perspective. That like I I know in March Madness when there's a a, a, fir- a round one upset where you know uh, and, and which which I think rarely ever happens. But you know if a if a 16 seed beats a one seed like that's a big deal and right. and it's and it's Presumably, it's got to be a pretty epic game to watch, right? Which right. would be great for for viewership. Yeah, Ma- it's maybe that dynamic in the NBA sometimes. Uh, maybe that dynamic doesn't work when you're playing a uh, you know best of three or best of five or best of seven series. Um, but but maybe it does. Um, I mean, that's the other thing is is that I we didn't read carefully enough on this to see if any of these are are uh, in, you know sudden death uh, or no. or if these are all series oh, games. You know, is, yeah, is I don't it? Know. Is is the wild card round, uh, you know, a single game or is it is it a three or a five game series? And the the longer the series, presumably, uh, the less likely you are to have an anomalous upset that that's yeah. going to tend to to uh, be weighted in favor of the team that is actually uh, statistically superior. Yes. All right. So now, um, are you ready to have your mind? Blo- that was pretty mind blowing. You ready to have your mind blown a third time? I, uh, I don't know how much I can take in a single episode. <laughs> And now, the Probability Distribution of the Week. That is right, the Probability Distribution of the Week. And because we have such a crazy episode, I figured I'd pick a, a, a crazy distribution. Um, what do you think? Some, some One that doesn't come up that much. Uh, and that is called the Zeta Distribution, Z-E-T-A. Have you heard of that before? Uh I've I've heard of a zeta function. It's related. Uh, it's related. But don't ask me to explain what the zeta function is. Okay. Is, is is zeta a, is it a Greek letter? Yes, okay. I believe it's the letter Z. If I had to take a guess, with the but gun it, but to it's my not head. the last letter of the Greek alphabet because that would presumably be omega, right? Oh crap! You're right. Well, no, wouldn't that be in the G position because G and Z were switched? I'm not going to look. You've this exhausted up. my knowledge of the Greek alphabet. Yeah. Okay, okay. So uh, uh, l- let's look at it this way. Um, last week, we or a, a, a couple weeks ago, I, there was a solo show, but I did Ziff's Law. I don't know if you remember that, but that's the law where it's like, okay, the most likely word, if that's at one, 
the next word is going to be half that probability in, in terms of the, just the probability of, of any word. Imagine like a huge categorical dis- distribution with all the words in English. Same with letters. Like the, if the first letter is at is at a frequency of one, unnormalized. The next one is at one half. The next one is at one third. The next one is at one quarter. And, and this is just talking about the corpus as a whole. We're not necessarily yeah. looking at like given a word, what's the likelihood of a particular word following it? No, that's that's bigrams. Right. And now you're getting into natural language processing. No, I'm just talking about uh, turning that into a simple categorical distribution. Okay. Um, and every language follows some kind of zip law, which is really interesting. And even even Esperanto, uh, um, you know, so it's like, it, it's almost something where it's, it, it would be very difficult to uh, design a language and, and, and a corpus that does not follow this pattern. I, I am, I am by no means a linguist, but I, I, I want to reach out there and grasp it at some sort of language that is, that is sufficiently anomalous in the way it's constructed, but yeah, but I, I, I can't think of it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, okay. So now there, an issue comes up when you want to make this distribution infinite, because let's say you want to be able to create an infinite number of words or, or something like that. Now, um, okay. So you have one, one half, one third, one fourth, one fifth. Now, when, when we stopped, uh, at the, at, before in Ziff's law, let's say there are 30,000 words, 100,000 words, we could add up all those numbers and then divide by that. And that is your normalization constant. And right. you have a, uh, a, um, uh, a probability distribution. I want to, I'm going to quiz you on calculus from 20 years oh, ago. No. And see if you know. What's the problem if I, uh, if I try to make this into an infinite distribution? Uh, I, I assume that it doesn't converge. Yeah, exactly. So it goes off to infinity. That, that's that's always the answer when something is difficult in calculus. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> so th- th- that's called the harmonic uh, sequence, and it does go off to infinity. Um, and but what mathematicians can do is they can put an exponent in the denominator. Because no, no, why be, not? Be, before you go on, does, yes. does harmonic is is that uh, directly related to like harmonics in in the acoustical sense? Actually, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, uh, it, it uh, in, in terms of, I, I don't know exactly, but in terms of like uh, how the different waves line up, they're all fractions of each other. Well, yeah, because isn't it like so, an octave is basically half the frequency or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so uh, half a third, a fourth, a fifth, and, and those are called harmonic. Har- I, I think, I'm not sure if the math came from the music or the music came from the math, but it, it is related. Um, so... Uh, Essentially, so yeah, think of it as just a, a, a large piece of music. An uh, infinite piano. Yeah, an infinite piano. <laughs> um, so, uh, uh, all right, so, so you put a little exponent in the denominator. Now, that exponent could be close to one, which is interesting enough. So there, there, there's another problem called the Basel problem, which is, uh, you know, one over one squared, which is one, one over two squared, which is one fourth, one over three squared, one over four squared, one over five squared, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So this is basil, not basil? Ba- maybe it's basil. I don't know. Anyway, that converges to like six over pi squared. So um, obviously, you know, who, who could possibly? Uh, so so that the normalization constant is, is pi squared over six for that. Or if you prefer, uh, tau squared over, over 24. Uh, tau squared over four factorial. Uh, tau does and, not give me hunger pangs the yeah, way pi does. No. Okay. So um, that converges. Now you could actually make that exponent very close to one, and it still converges. So you could be like uh, one over one to the one point oh one, one over two to the one. But if you make it one, 
it, and it, it goes to infinity. Right. So it, right. it just needs a tiny nudge. It needs a tiny nudge. And so you could make a, a distribution out of that because uh, that is um, that is also uh, uh, that that converges. And um, you know, you could still try to um, analyze language in that way. You can say, hey, I'm going to assume this language has an infinite number of words, even though it doesn't. Because sometimes when you use infinity, actually in math, infinity sounds really hard. But sometimes infinity, things work out nicer than if you do really, really large. Uh, so, uh, and sometimes these little exponents actually, um, like you could... You could try to uh, uh, estimate what the exponent is for each language, and maybe some of them are so close to one, you can't do it. Maybe some of them are 1.02. So they all have kind of a little exponent that, uh, that you can learn. Hmm. Um, and different languages have different exponents. Or different, different schemes have different exponents. So that's, so, so that's very interesting. Is the way we would determine that is, is literally to take the empirical evidence and try and kind of fit the curve? For, for languages, yes, and for other similar things. There, there's also uh, a similar thing as like the distribution of species also follows a Ziff's law kind of a thing, and, 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 or the, the infinite... Uh, when, and when you say distribution of species, you mean like how, how, many, how many ants there are compared to whatever the next uh, yeah. most common organism? Okay. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and maybe, maybe other areas in nature will come up with this. Now, the interesting thing is... so. Remember, I said that exponent, so long as it's a little bit bigger than one, it converges. Um, now, you could make a function out of this. So given the exponent, I, what does it converge to? I, I'm afraid to ask, because this is yes. going in a different direction, but what if I make it less than one? Uh, if you make it less than one, so let's say that, um, then it, it diverges. Okay. Because you're actually... Um, it, not, not only does it diverge, it diverges horribly. Yeah, like you're making <laughs> it... Uh, well, so if it's zero, you basically have one plus one plus one plus one plus one. If you make it negative one, you have one plus two plus three plus four plus five, and that sum goes off to infinity and then arrives at negative one twelve. Obviously, so uh, but <laughs> we'll get to that in a second. So um, you think, okay, why don't I graph that? Like, you know, where does it converge? Uh, even though, like, some of these like convergence points are they're mostly like horrible. Um, uh, irrational numbers and, you know, the pi squared over six or, or six over pi squared. I don't remember what, I'm sure I could figure it out, but it's like, uh, how did they get that? It's actually a really cool proof. Um, but you could estimate almost all of them, you know, just by computationally. So you could graph it and it kind of just looks like a, a curve that's kind of comes from a asymptotic point at one and sort of goes down. So it's like, given the exponent, what does it converge to? Obviously, if the exponent is infinite, then uh, it, it just converges to one because okay. it's, yep. yeah. So the, 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 all the other terms except for one go to zero. Uh, so, so, so it's, it's kind of makes this U shape and that is actually known as the, um, as the, uh, Riemann Zeta function. And so that's why it's called the Zeta distribution. Zeta function is really important in pure mathematics. And in fact, so that function is infinity at one, but it does take on values less than one. And so that's why there's kind of an iffy if it, and at negative one, it takes on the value negative one half. That's uh, negative one twelfth. And that's why I, I said that before. Is, so. is Riemann Zeta somehow involved with, with encryption or am I crossing my, um, my wires here? I'm not sure if it's involved with encryption, but it's involved with prime numbers. So I would it, be surprised. It's definitely something I've, I've seen before, but uh, it, it's, it's a, a piece of my brain that I haven't used in many years. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it, 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 is definitely it's involved with the Riemann hypothesis, 
which again, we could do a whole show on that. Was, was that it's one of those uh, unsolved, unsolved for, is it still unsolved? Yes. Okay. And, it's it, a, and it, it has a prize associated with it? Yeah. It, it's a big one. It, it's one of those ones where mathematicians look at it and they're like, this might not even be decidable. But, uh, but if you were to solve it, the, then that would be, you know, maybe, maybe not Nobel uh, Prize worthy, but it'd be yeah. a crowning moment of your career. It would be a million dollars, which sounds like a lot of money, but um, given my... There's a way easier ways to make a million dollars. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, now, if it were a billion, maybe, uh, maybe, but you know, so many people can make a million, million dollars. Well, we, and and, and <laughs> I don't think this is the direction we were planning on going. But uh, presumably, that that there is a value to solving it beyond just the the uh, you know the pure joy of of academic uh, pursuits. Uh, it, what is is there a way that that a so, solution to that hypothesis could be monetized? Yeah, no, in, it's in a its little own? bit outside the scope. So I don't know if it could be monetized, but certainly, like I know that there are a lot of theorems in mathematics, like a lot of them, that depend on the Riemann hypothesis. So you, you get a lot for that that one uh, gotcha. that one thing, and it it does seem to be some kind of a. Uh, a very um, well. So would a solution profound statement about the break distribution those of prime numbers? those processes, or would it would just put them on a much firmer foundation? Firmer foundation. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Or to prove the to prove the hypothesis, which which is actually that something doesn't exist, zeros don't exist. The complex plane of the the zeta function. Let's Th- not this, go, so, this sounds yeah. like it could require an entire show yeah. to do. No, into. oh, way more. And also, why does this thing have anything to do with prime numbers? That's also really weird. But um, this is a, actually a good distribution for for a lot of theoretical. Problems that come up, I found, and it's actually a lot more interesting of a distribution than um, than the geometric distribution, which um, you know that's the one that goes one one half one fourth, and that one the problem which with you that would one, think would be pretty similar. They're similar, uh, but this one has a much fatter tail. Uh, even if you put like um, even if you put like a ninety nine percent in terms of. Uh, from the first one to the second one in terms of the, the geometric distribution. In other words, it, it shrinks very small. At some point, it gets very tiny. And all of your, uh, everything you draw from that distribution is, is kind of low. Whereas this distribution, if you draw from it, if you have an exponent that's close to one, you could end up with some really high numbers, re- things hmm. really out in left field. So it's a really high-tailed function, which makes it kind of interesting. There are other ways to do fat-tailed functions, but... Um, but or, or, or distributions, but uh, but but this is one of them, and I think that's the reason why languages and and uh, ecologies use this because if they used uh, a geometric distribution, you wouldn't have that much diversity. It would kind of fall off after a while, uh, and you know you wouldn't have uh, that kind of long tail of plants or words or whatever you're you're hmm. looking for, and so um, so yeah. Really fascinating one, Zeta. It doesn't come up a lot in practical stuff, like when you're doing marketing data and stuff. But it does. Uh, it does come up in nature, and it, it is really interesting uh, for theoretical purposes. So, all right, I think that wraps up the show for today. Unless you have another question about Zeta, no. I was just it's, saying, it's always neat to see something that pops up in in mathematics that uh, you know is is derived from not just the real world, but the natural world. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then like it's nature. Gold, golden ratio and that type of yeah. stuff. And then it has this connection to pure mathematics and cryptography, which are prime numbers, which is just so mind blowing. So that's really cool. All right. Next week, um, 
well, I don't know. I, I might do a solo show because I'm traveling a little bit. I might be talking about the debate. I might be talking about the election coming up. I know we've talked about the election uh, the last two times, and I don't know what else I could say about predicting the election, but maybe I'll, I'll think of something to say about it. Um, and, uh, and yeah, that's it. Rounding out the end of the year. Beautiful this time of year in New Hampshire. I drove through uh, Exeter today, and it's just like a picture-perfect fall day in uh, in new hampshire so um for those of you in the northeast i uh, hope you enjoy uh this week and, and this kind of perfect weather uh for those of you rest of the country um come visit <laughs> have a great week everyone that's the show to support the local maximum sign up for exclusive content and their online community at maximum.locals.com Local Maximum is available wherever podcasts are found. If you want to keep up, remember to subscribe on your podcast app. Also, check out the website with show notes and additional materials at localmaxradio.com. If you want to contact me, the host, send an email to localmaxradio at gmail.com. Have a great week. Feel the power.